Prepare your ears, humans. Happy, Sad, Confused begins now. Today on Happy, Sad, Confused, Willem Dafoe takes us on a mad trip to the White House. Hey guys, I'm Josh Horowitz. Welcome to another edition of Happy, Sad, Confused. Yes, one of the greats, the wonderfully talented, the unique... Willem Dafoe on the podcast today. Uh, his second trip to Happy Sag Confused. I guess he uh, he survived the first one a couple years back, and he he's a glutton for punishment. He came back for more. Um, I could talk to this guy forever. He's had not only such a storied, fascinating career, but is so eloquent and interesting talking about his own career and art and his philosophies around acting. He's got a great sense of humor, and he's so prolific. I mean, year after year, he just turns out great work. Um, and it seems like he's only, I mean, I don't know if he's getting better, but he certainly feels like he's at the top of his game, or at least as much as he's ever been. Uh, the last few years, he's been Oscar-nominated. Um, the last time he was on Happy Second Fused, he came by for that wonderful film, The Florida Project, which was two years back. He got an Oscar nomination for that one. Last year, he got an Oscar nomination for At Eternity's Gate, where he played Vincent Van Gogh. And he's back in the hunt this year. He may very well end up with another Oscar nomination. I would, I would be perfectly happy to see him get in there because it's a great performance in a, in a atmospheric, haunting film called The Lighthouse. Uh, the Lighthouse, if you don't know it, is out now in, uh, in select theaters, hopefully playing near you, uh, Seek It Out. It's from the director, uh, Robert Eggers, who you may have seen his last film, The Witch, a few years back, which was one of the most just, um, again, I go back to the word haunting, but it, it was such an atmospheric, like meticulous um, uh, journey for an audience. And in this one, he takes the audience on another journey to a far off place. We are in a square black and white box from the moment this film starts. And we are basically stuck on an island with Willem and Robert Pattinson for a couple hours. And it is, it's just like, hardcore lighthouse like um, the mermaids and and mystery abound uh it's a weird little movie um but you will it, there's there's nothing like it that's out in theaters right now so i would encourage you to seek it out if you're a fan of of great cinema of beautiful cinematography uh, that transports you and of fine performances uh willem and robert uh are you know you would never i mean i guess robert eggers would put them together but i i can't imagine many other people would put these two actors together um, and I'm so glad he did. They both deliver fantastic uh, performances in this one. So seek it out. The Lighthouse, uh, Willem Dafoe, is the main event on Happy Set Confused this week. Uh, other things to mention, I've mentioned it probably last week, but just because there's a lot going on. Um, let's see. The newest episode of On Location, my series for the Paramount Network, is out. Uh, super uh, happy with the series so far. So far we've done episodes with Lance Reddick taking me on a tour of New York of the locations that... Um, that are that populate the John Wick series, and the most recent episode is with the great Kevin Smith taking me on a uh, a little journey through the Quick Stop back in in New Jersey where they shot the original Clerks 25 years ago. Uh, if you haven't caught on yet, the the notion of this show is to journey through these storied films with the filmmakers and actors and and sort of just glean some kind of wisdom and, and get some great stories. Uh, we've been shooting a, a bunch of these and I'm so happy with them. The Kevin Smith one is just 
perfection. It's exactly what you would want in a series like this. So if you're wondering where you can catch it, well, don't worry, I'm going to tell you. Uh, on Paramount Network's Facebook page, on Paramount Network's YouTube page, or you can dig through my um, my social media. Twitter is uh, Joshua Horowitz, as is Instagram. So uh, definitely recommend that. I hope you guys enjoy it. Other things to mention, my interview by now is out with the Zombieland crew. Zombieland Double Tap is in theaters. I got a chance to chat with uh, Emma Stone, Woody Harrelson, and Jesse Eisenberg, and Abigail Breslin for a really fun conversation. That's on MTV News' YouTube page. I uh, got a chance to catch up with Paul Rudd for his new series, Living With Yourself, on Netflix. Always great to catch up with Paul. Talk to little Ghostbusters. Yes, he's in the new Ghostbusters movie. Some very cool stuff there. Um, yeah. A lot, a lot going on, guys. Um, that's enough plugs, right? I've given you a long list of things to watch and listen to, uh, and you're already here for for something for a treat as it is. Why, why do I need to give you other things to check out when you're here for Willem Dafoe, right? Okay. Uh, here is my conversation with the great Willem Dafoe. Remember to review, rate, and subscribe to Happy Sick and Fused. Uh, and now, without any further ado, here is Willem. Yeah, I've decorated differently yeah. since I probably saw you last, Willem. Yeah, yeah, I'm checking it out. <laughs> just taking it in. No, no judgment. Just, no, just feels uh, like a little judgment, watching, Willem. Watching. Feels like a little judgment. Oh, no, I'm just trying to get your number. <laughs> <laughs> this Good. is really creepy. Uh, the, uh, what do, you, do you know what that is, Willem? It's like one of these face thing, uh, yeah. face change. It's Jennifer Lawrence yes. with... Yes. You. No, sadly, I wish. Thank with, you for the compliment. Uh, uh, Jennifer Lawrence and Bradley Cooper. There you go. Willem doesn't realize it, but he's on my game show now, I apparently. Say, <laughs> non-sexual escort, cash only. That's pretty good. That's a sketch I did with Michael. I will happily share it with you. I think you no, would appreciate. Uh, <laughs> shit. Wow, what's that? That's a sketch I did with Donald Gleason. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Lots to... Okay. Right. If you get bored of the conversation, Willem, there's often no, no, to stare we'll at. No, no, stick to conversation. <laughs> okay. What about that? You like that? That's fabulous. Who's that? That's me. That's a painting of me done by a great actor by the name of Danny McBride. Okay. <laughs> okay. Hey, Willem's leaving the room. Why is Willem leaving? No, I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm enjoying. <laughs> um, it's always a treat to have Willem Defoe Thanks. in my office. Thank this you. is the second visit to the podcast. Clearly, I did something okay the first time. You're back, but... Yep. But judging by the way you're receiving my office, I don't know if there'll be a third. No, no, I just don't have an office. Well, I do, but do I, I keep it pretty. Minimal. Actually, I've got a cabinet of curiosities. Oh, that sounds fascinating. It's like, you know, like a... Shrunken heads? A, what, like... A basically, yes. <laughs> I mean, things like that. Things in travel that are basically useless, but they're... Memories. And, yeah. My parents are there. Their ashes are oh, there. Mason jar. But I come from a big family, so only an eighth of their ashes. Right. And I like it very much because their ashes are there in a mason jar with a, pic a photo of them, and um, I write their names and their birthdates on. And so, um, you know, they're around. But some people scold me. They say, you're supposed to let the ashes go. But there's no there's plenty of time for that. Exactly. Exactly. I think I think it, it brings you peace and happiness, and, and furthers their memory. It's a good thing. But when I get something useless in my travels, I know where it's going to go. There you go into the uh, the Willem Dafoe man cave uh, yeah. <laughs> collection of curiosities. Um, there's always a lot to discuss with you because okay. you are a 
uh, prolific uh, contributor to our, our our arts. And um, last time you were here was a couple of years back, Florida uh-huh. Project. Okay, yep. Um, I mean, it really, it, it speaks to your amazing career that like, you know, these aren't even the three most recent films, but three of the more notable ones people have talked about are Florida Project at Eternity's Gate and Lighthouse. And you think of these three films cool. and they are just... Very different. They couldn't be more different. Oh, good. Yeah. Um, which is, I, sp- I suspect, the goal of any of any artist, any not actor. Not really a goal. Not really a goal. But when you notice it, you say, yeah, that's nice. <laughs> you know, just look, it's it's everybody's different. But for me, it's helpful not to go to the same well all the time. Yeah. You know, it's it's more fun to to you know try different things, learn different things, work in different situations, and. Um, do you think you've um, you have obviously gotten a, a lot of acclaim throughout your career? But I mean, those two of those roles uh, at, at Attorney's Gate and uh, Florida Project earned you Oscar nominations, uh, well deserved. Um, don't want to jinx it. This one could lead to some things too. <laughs> okay. um, are you getting better at choosing the material? Are people noticing you in a different way? What's what's the what's the alchemy? What's happening? I don't like to think about that stuff, but you know, I'm I'm going through a good period where. Um, you know, I cultivate relationships with directors, and uh, in the case of those three movies you mentioned, those Direct are driven. seeds yeah. that I planted somewhere, and uh, then something, you know, grew from them. Uh, Sean Baker, um, I really approached him. Julian Schnabel, I had known for thirty years, and I had done small things in his movies. We were friends, but. Um, you know, there was never really something substantial for me to do in any of his movies. Right. Um, so then when, uh, when uh, At Eternity's Gate came, it was like a natural extension of our friendship and knowing each other. And for Robert Eggers, I saw The Witch. I saw it under beautiful circumstances because I knew nothing about it. Yeah. I had been away and I just saw this movie, saw the poster. No one told me anything about it. I went in. I think I saw it at Angelica, you know, like in an afternoon. And I went, wow. And then I took my wife to it the next day. She went, wow. I said, this guy's got something. Uh, so I wonder where he's at, what he's up to. So then I had a meeting with him and we hit it off and basically uh, said, let's find something to do. And as it turns out, Rob Pattinson did same exactly thing, right? the same yeah. thing. Yeah. <laughs> Great minds. So, um, I mean, I don't blame you if I were in your position, because I mean, like from my position, I saw that film too, and I had never heard of him. I think he was maybe a DP or something before then. He he's a lot of um, uh, production design, right. and he was an actor as well oh, in right? experimental theater. Yeah, uh, done street theater. Oh, so very much things. of your so your bag. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, we certainly hit it off right away. We, I, I knew what he was talking about. He <laughs> knew what I was with. talking about. <laughs> but yeah, when I saw The Witch, I was blown away. It's it's one of those things where like, I mean, it almost sounds like hyperbole, but I watch it. And I'm like, are these actors? What am I wa- like? What am I even watching? He's very good at you know. Uh, one of the things that I noticed is when you have a period film, you know, people usually to achieve that period kind of point to it. <laughs> you yeah. can only, you know, you markers, like, markers, uh, yeah. but they were invisible. You were really in that world, and he found those people. Some were actors. Most of them were actors, of course, not children really. Yeah. But um, through the language, through the research, through the story, 
you know, he found a, a very specific kind of unrecognizable feeling. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, uh, Jaron Blaschke, uh, the DP that he works with, they work together to, uh, with a very refined uh, visual language. And he certainly brings that in a different way to the lighthouse, a different oh. aesthetic completely, but um, very specific, very um, evocative and, tra and transports you right from the first frame. You're in a virtual box, kind of a square it's frame, black and white. Mm -hmm. um, I don't even know how to describe it except that it's like nothing I've seen on the screen in many, many years, if ever. It's true. Um, did, was that part and parcel of like his vision in the script, in the initial talk with you of what he was trying to achieve um, from a visual? Did he describe like the visual approach, like what he's trying to get you at? You know, yes. Uh, first of all, he's a research freak. He really lives in his head in those different times. And I think he really believes he can, you know, express and, and illuminate what's going on today with knowing the past well. I mean, that's his MO. Sure. He's very interested in history is very interested in other cultures in the occult even um so he does an incredible amount of research and he and he turns you on to that research it's it's you know done with a lot of love and a lot of detail so you have this wealth of stuff to look at before you even begin so you start to form an idea of what he wants to do and then when we did some rehearsal, and the thing that was particular about the rehearsal was usually the actors rehearse and then you set the camera or have right. an idea of I the camera. This, yeah. But in this case, the camera is there, and act, basically the actors have to, we have to figure out how we're going to place ourselves in the frame and how we're going to do the actions. Mm -hmm. So you're really submitting to the language and you're submit, uh, submitting to you know, the world. Yes which I don't mind at all because I, I find that really focuses you. Yeah, sometimes if every option is available, where, yeah, what do it's, I do? <laughs> you know, it's true. Uh, too many choices. And also, you know, I, I think, you know, uh, being present and receiving things that are there, you know, if you can concentrate on that, concentrate on the actions that are there, yeah. concentrate on what's around you and not always feel a pressure to invent it, it frees you in a way. Even spontaneity, uh, spontaneity isn't dependent on invention. It really is on being comfortable to, uh, and be receptive and, and yeah. entering that world. So he makes a very complete world and you, you get there and you feel like you know what has to be done. Yeah. You don't feel intellectually that you're making choices. You feel more intuitively like you're living that life just because the world is so complete yeah. and the things that you have to do are so detailed and precise. Is there weirdly any similarity then in like the Wes Anderson world? I mean, obviously ah. it's so different, but he has such a specific world that he creates Very for different you. just because Wes, Wes, for example, uh, likes to really refine as he's shooting. Yeah. And you can go many, 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 many takes and shoot lots of variation. In this case... It was very clear what we what had to do. Yeah. We're under really hellish conditions. So you had to prepare as much as possible and, and get it fairly quickly. Um, yeah, very different conditions. But they're similar in they have this thing gnawing at them yeah. that gives them a special uh, attachment to uh, a world 
that uh, they turn us on to and then let us loose in, and that's the movie. Yeah, I'm sure you never want the reverse where you turn over to Video Village or the guy next to the camera and you see the guy yawning and just... None of that. None of that. And, you know, there isn't a lot of... There isn't checking stuff. And we're shooting film, huh? And nobody's around hanging around Video Village. <laughs> yeah, you're like, Video Village, it's, not it's, on the White House. <laughs> no, no, it's Avanti, Avanti, Avanti. Yeah. And that's nothing to brag about. I mean, it's fine to, you know, yeah, sure. there's all kinds of ways to work. But yeah. for this, that matched the world. It matched what we were doing. You know, the story is quite simple. The language is quite uh, elevated and quite specific. The, 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 the way we're shooting is quite specific. Um, it was it was great fun. Is the is the language fun? Is the dialect fun? It is. It's, like, it's fun to listen to. It's it just is. like you know, it's it's evocative. There are great images in there, and it's it's skillful in the respect that it's beautifully written. And like when I'm berating him, the insults are quite uh, articulate. <laughs> they are and quite interesting, colorful, and um, they stick with you. And they got a rhythm, yeah. and they and they have a music, so. It's fun to be able to sing that, you know, to be able to do that song, to really get in the groove and have the rhythm take you to an understanding that's beyond thinking yeah. um, and is more, you know, poetic and, and, and taps into your instincts. Uh, I realize I haven't. I'm, I'm always the worst at setting up things. But like for, okay. for, for those that have Me seen too. this, you know, I mean, yeah, that's the, the least fun part of this job. But like basically see the trailer but this is you and robert pattinson in this lighthouse you are stranded together it is right. i mean this is it's not a, a thing where you want to know much about the plot except that you two have a very antagonistic right. at times relationship right. that builds and gets more surreal and what's yes. real and what's not yes um it is a two-hander. You're doing pretty good okay, setting it okay. up. It's a two-hander. It's you and, and Robert Pattinson, mm -hmm. which I think piqued a lot of people's interests, just the, mm. the, the notion of you two together. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, you know, I've, I've talked to Rob many times over the years. I, I, I admire, I really admire what he's done with his career, like sure. just in terms of like, he, he knew he had to put in the work kind of to like yep. get to where he's at. Yep. Like he was gifted a lot early on, and now he's kind of like reaping the rewards of some hard, some it's hard true. labor. Um, from what I gather, different approaches in terms of approaching the work? I think that's true, but you know, the truth is uh, his approach uh, suited his character. Yeah. Uh, my approach suited my character, because we have different jobs, really. Yeah. I mean, he, the way he's positioned, it is a two-hander, but it's, he's really the uh, true protagonist in the respect that you see the world we through him, that world with him, and yes. you enter that mm -hmm. world, and you're with him. It's very rare that you see me alone. I think you don't. Right. You always see me with him. And so he's kind of the guy that the story is working on. Yeah. And I'm kind of the part of nature. I'm the force yes. that's the motor that's pushing him to a place. I mean, I get my buttons pushed too. But they're very different functions. And, and also for, for a lot of the movie in the beginning, he's got... He's got the actions and the more contemplative stuff, and I have. Yeah. I'm driving the uh, the verbal stuff because he's very. Um, I'm loquacious, and he's you know quite uh, withdrawn. Yes, but then it shifts after a certain point. So, in and also we have different backgrounds. I mean, he yeah. he. Uh, I come from the theater. I'm older than he is. I'm just have different 
takes on it. When we were rehearsing, he always felt like he didn't want to uh, commit to anything until the cameras were rolling. Right. And I, I don't require rehearsal, but in this case, um, I thought it was good to, you know, like prepare things and then let them go, you know, because that's what I needed, particularly with the heavy language and with a lot of business and physical things that had to be very precise. You like to get that to a certain place and then jump off from there. Then that's your time to jump off, you know. Um, But my character needed that preparation. His character needed it less. So it all made sense. And and that often happens in movies, you know. Different people have uh, different... Approaches, sure yeah. and you got to respect that and let them get there the way they got to get there. And it's really up to the uh, director to kind of balance and Make calibrate sure the things. Movie, et cetera. Yeah, but Is, we but we also were uh, we also were operating under the same conditions pretty much. Yeah. Um, so uh, they, you, you know, we came together. I mean, we uh, it, it was good. No no uh, problems. You know? Is um. We've talked before about how physicality is, is kind of a place where you often start for a character. Mm-hmm. And this one, certainly there, um, there's the, the facial hair, there's the teeth. <laughs> some lot there's a lot of, of, there are choices that have to be made. Yeah, also. well, but, I mean, it goes part and parcel. If you want the crusty yeah. old yeah, White yeah. House guy, yeah, yeah. this is it. Yeah, and an accent was very important. Knowing where to place my voice for that, for that accent was important. Um, you know, one of the nice things about the characters you don't know what's made up and what he's putting on. So yeah. that's fun uh, to approach <laughs> a character like that. Do you ever get into a, a performance, into a production, and like on week two, you're like, oh, wait, I, I, made, a, terrible. I made a terrible choice. Like I, 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 I chose I don't wrong. make choices. I don't. I do, I do things and, you know, but li- it, live and die by, this, <laughs> by them. No, I mean, I don't. I don't feel like I... You know, I don't know. I I'm very. I feel very much like I try to be an extension of the director. You know, yeah. an extent. I try to live in that world. And when you speak about choices, choices always sounds like people. You know, if you make choice, of course I make choices. But the language I have a little problem with, because it assumes that you are conscious of showing a particular thing yeah. or imparting a particular thing, where. I'm kind of more, um, I wouldn't even say intuitive, I'm kind of simple. You know, performing on some level is very simple. It's doing tasks for me. And then as you do them, things happen to you. But if you're too strong in your choices, if you're too strong in, in what result has to be there or what has to be conveyed, I think it squelches your receptivity to what's happening to you when you're doing these things. Right. And... How you do these things, um, I feel like you do one action, and that tells you how to do the next action. It's like, it's like you know, one thing I learned in, uh, at Eternity's Gate is make one mark, yeah. and then you make another mark. Don't and they the talk to results. each other, yes, and yeah. then the other one. Each thing informs the next thing. So the choice is, the choice is to be there and um, listen and uh, have stuff work on you. Or... Or the director gives you a text or, or tells you something has to be accomplished and you try to find the most skillful way to do that. 
I'm kind of talking around it, but this word choice is okay. a little tricky. You know what I, I mean? I hit one of your buzzwords. I was like, oh, shit. I stepped into the landmine choice. You pushed my button. Oh, no. <laughs> now I know for the future. Um, I, I know uh, um, we've talked about... A guy can change. <laughs> He's going to choose Maybe to I'll change. love that button later. <laughs> From the start, you've worked with exceptional directors, and clearly that, that's, that's been more even than the writing has been what you followed. You right. followed the director. You yeah. followed the person who has a vision. Was that something that you knew from the start when you started your film career that this, if I'm going to follow anybody, if I'm going to follow some rule of thumb for how I choose projects, if, if I have the luxury of choice, a little bit, directors. A little bit. But, you know, um, I've worked with first-time directors too. It right. has to do with being with people that inspire you and people that you think you can trust, and people that are serious and passionate. I always get in trouble when I feel like when we're on set or when we're doing something, the person directing is interested, wants to be somewhere else or is just crafting something for another film another day or something. (laughs) You know, it comes, you know, you want to be around people that burn hot because if you're, if you're or are thoughtful or really haunted by something that they have to do because you you're an extension of them you're trying to um help them do this thing because you're the their agent you're you're the creature in front of the camera they're behind the camera so you're their actor (laughs) they you act for them you do things for them so if you're going to give yourself to someone you better give yourself to someone that you think is worth it it's like falling in love. <laughs> <laughs> we're still in um, Last time you were here, we got a chance to hit uh, on a number of films that I admire of yours, but it was only the tip of the iceberg. That we could we could do ten hours. We're not only going to do about forty five minutes today, so don't okay. worry. Okay. Uh, yeah. A couple we didn't hit last time, and I'm surprised. Usually, it often comes up. Is of course Spider Man. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm curious, like when you when you when you took that role, when you chose to get involved in that, were you was there concern about process or even perception of what of that choice for you in your career i mean you come from a very you know an artistic community that maybe some would thumb their nose at projects like that um i was you know i think some people said you know kind of wink at me and like ah doing it for the paycheck not at all i did it because it was interesting right um i didn't have any perspective on it because you know doing a film of a comic book was kind of wacky then. It wasn't business as usual. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But I think once again, I'm going to bore you with the uh, recurrent thing. Yeah. 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 That makes sense. I get it. No, because I thought this guy is nuts. He's going to make this, (laughs) this popular, you know, uh, kind of tentpole movie before probably that term was used. (laughs) But he's doing it like it's the most personal movie in the world. Yeah. I mean, he was a believer. You know, the way he'd approach those scenes and he'd talk about the relationship between, you know, my, the, the father character, me, and, and Peter and his son. I mean, <laughs> there was stuff to play. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't, we weren't just, it, it was a deeply felt film. And, and a lot for you to chew on, not even just the Goblin character, but Norman is a fascinating character. He's Norman's, Norman's maybe the better of the two characters. Yeah. Because... Um, and the the biggest thing that I always go back to is I think somewhere I knew it was a beautiful mix of uh, 
comedy and drama. And sometimes one line next to the other, you know? Yeah. There's, there's a dinner scene that I, I think of particularly that it shifts, you know, 10 times between being kind of winky, kind of aware, kind of fun, jokey right. comedy, and then really getting a little heavy. Yeah. Well, because Norman is just on the precipice the whole time. He can yeah. snap at any second and does. But everybody's with him on it. I mean, Aunt May is getting her licks in there, too. So, um, <laughs> you know, I, I look back on that fondly, and certainly it's a, it's a good film uh, I, that I liked a lot, and, and people like it. Uh, you know, that's one that people still stop me on the street about. You, you, you have a fondness, I think, and I do too, for your collaboration with David Lynch on, on Wild at Heart. Oh, very much. I mean, that was very memorable. It was quite brief, and uh, to tell you the truth, but that was a special that was a special character just because there was an understanding and there wasn't... It was one of the least... Um, it was almost effortless. It's like he gave me the costume I put in those teeth. And <laughs> Bobby Peru, you know, did me. I didn't do Bobby Peru. <laughs> and, you know, that has to do, once again, with the world being really complete, a beautiful costume, uh, a mask in the form of a teeth, a yeah. uh, couple couple physical things that made me feel differently and a beautiful, you know, beautiful lines, beautiful writing and situations and, and good, uh, good partners, uh, good actors in it. So all those things come together and, uh, you know, touched something, something triggered something in my head of, uh, you know, some hoodie, uh, Guys of my childhood that sure. I was probably scared of when I was about ten years old, and my, you know, that used to hang downtown by the bar, you know, and uh, <laughs> it was my chance to be one of those guys and kind of exercise the fear, you know. You passed it on to many of us that watched. <laughs> <laughs> no, Bobby um, Peru, it's a, it's a good, good character. No, a great character. And Lynch is just uh, endlessly fascinating. I mean, he's such an enigmatic kind of mysterious figure for people like me. He doesn't. Doesn't talk much. Doesn't like to explain his work. Mm -hmm. Is he someone that gives much direction? Is he sort of just hang back? I mean, do you um, you know, he's very present, but he doesn't. You know, I, I can't emphasize enough. You know, uh, there are very few directors that pull you aside and actually walk you through stuff. They do their best work by giving you a good setup, yeah. by giving you good things to work with, and letting you be free to. Um, have all that stuff swirl to play on your imagination and have you um, pretend you're someone else yeah. and, uh, and find a different set of impulses and a different mindset. Yeah. And I don't think you do that consciously. You do it by, you know, pretending, like taking a leap, like uh, through association, you know, um, through having great props to work with, great actors to work with, a, a world that is evocative but you don't know exactly why all those things work on you and something happens what about someone like scorsese who you've worked with a couple times most notably well most notably last temptation course, yeah. that was a beautiful um that was a beautiful experience because so much was demanded of me and not because just because of the character because we had to kind of forget that we had to cleanse ourselves of who i was playing i was right. playing Joe Schmo, not the Jesus. Sure. I was playing our Jesus. That was one of the key things. 
But I had beautiful things to do in that and beautiful things to consider, and he's a master filmmaker, and it was a low-budget movie. I mean, we were a million miles from Hollywood. Um, everybody was there for him, and we were in the middle of Morocco under pretty extreme conditions, and we were making these things. It was real hands-on um, and real direct, and he had prepared this movie for a long time and had thought about it for a long time. So he was perfect in, in realizing the world. He had restrictions, but I think in the end those restrictions, mostly budgetary, really helped. For example, we didn't have the money to have lots of centurions. Right. So we had to deal with this kind of, you know, a different kind of scale. We we couldn't flirt with pageantry or, or with, um, you know, uh, what do you call it? Spectacle. Sure. So that helped us to keep our, our eyes on the prize if it's really about this guy that's, you know, asked to do this thing and he has a little trouble. <laughs> that's quite a trouble. <laughs> he has a trouble <laughs> accepting <laughs> the job. The Cliff Notes version of the Bible by William Devine. <laughs> oh, boy. Don't joke. <laughs> Don't be joking. <laughs> I did. Yeah, you, we went through that. <laughs> I, was, I, was around, I was a kid, but I remember, I remember the headlines. Yeah, I was, um, I was a kid, too. But it, it made me old pretty quick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. For those that don't know, go, go look back at the headlines back in 87 or so. That was you don't know controversy unless you open a movie about Jesus Christ in those times. That's crazy. But it was weird because it was such, such a uh, well-meaning, you know, uh, exploration of belief, you know. Yeah. I just saw uh, The Irishman, his new film. You know what? I'm going to see it in a couple of days uh, and I'm really looking forward to it. You'll, you'll, you'll love it. I mean, all of his work is so... I mean, there's obviously, obviously the technical mastery and his ability to work with cast the right actors, as you said, put them in the right context. But there's such a, a deep spirituality in all of his work. And this is kind of like, I don't know, I don't want to review it for you before you see it, but it's just mm -hmm. the marriage of everything he does well, I think. It's beautiful. It's, it's remarkable. Um, well, we mentioned Wes. You worked with Wes again recently. I can't wait to see the, yeah. the new yeah. one. Yeah. Uh, to be fair, um, you know, it's a real ensemble thing. And, and I have... Uh, I mean, maybe I don't even have to say this, but just to be clear, so I don't <laughs> make people think, and I'm starring in a Wes Anderson it's a, it's movie. It's a group. Uh, it's, as yeah. many, it's an ensemble. Yeah, I'm there. I'm there. <laughs> I can't wait. But it was wonderful, and uh, uh, I didn't work long, but uh, what, what we did there was beautiful. Yeah, I just spoke to Timothy Chalamet, who I think is also... Oh, yeah, yeah, he is, he is, yeah. In um, fact, we're in the same uh, part of the story. Nice. Because it's a three story thing. Got it, got it. Your first collaboration was on Life Aquatic, yep. right? Um, I will forever be in love with your your reading of the line, thanks, thanks a lot for not picking me, Yeah, which yeah. is still a, a running line in my house between my wife and me. Excellent. <laughs> Excellent. Um, what, what are your memories of what? You talked a little oh, bit earlier. That's, but that's a lot because that also was life-changing for me because I met my wife. Oh, sure. uh, I, I was in uh, Rome for a long time. And I met her there. And uh, so that really introduced me to a huge part of my life. And also, it was the first time working with uh, Wes. And uh, we've worked since. And uh, I love working with him. He, um, yeah, you've really cracked the code in terms of splitting a life between New York and Rome. Uh, and then 
working more than here and there. You work a lot, but it seems like you've you've figured it out. Uh, well, there's no fig. I mean, thank you, <laughs> but you're wrong. <laughs> Don't be deceived by what you see in front of you. You know, yeah, that uh, that f- <laughs> fish on the uh, river bank, you know, flopping around. Well, that's you. That's me. <laughs> Uh, I also enjoyed your work in Motherless Brooklyn. I enjoyed oh, that. Good, That's good, Edward Norton's uh, long-awaited uh, return to directing, a uh, passion yeah. project for him. Uh, yeah, and, and he's really incredible. I mean, the, he wore so many hats on that, and I think he made a beautiful movie. Yeah, and again, again, if there's a through line in this, among others, it's it's directors with passion, directors that like have a story that just has to be told. And clearly this was in his bones for, for many years. Um the beard was a was a was a must have out out of uh, out of uh, it was it was in fact I don't want to make too much of a story out of it to distract people but um, <laughs> you know uh, Edward Edward said I would love you to do this part and I you know you really respond to need particularly on a passion project and if there's someone that's talented and you like like Edward um, so he says I really need you to do this and I read the script and I thought there was really interesting text to do uh, it's a challenge for me my rhythms are usually very slow you know that guy had to be yeah um, so that was a challenge I said but we got a problem I've, I've got to grow this beard for the lighthouse and it doesn't seem very 50s so I thought that puts me out of it right away you know I can't do it because I can't shave and yeah. I can't grow in time for the lighthouse and I wasn't going to wear a fake beard just because it wasn't the spirit of, of how we were working on the lighthouse. And he thought about it, and he said, no, no, I think it, I think it might be okay. And actually, in the end, it kind of works yeah. because in the beginning, you, you think I'm like a ho- crazy, yes. paranoid, homeless guy, and the beard sets me apart. Uh, and also, with the kind of clothes I'm wearing, I... You know, you can almost smell me. It looks like I'm yeah. I'm down on my luck, and even though the beard doesn't come off in the <laughs> process of the movie, uh, you know, you start to see that character differently. So it's a good setup. Well, and yeah, so, it actually, in retrospect, does make a lot of. Sense. I mean, he's the outsider. He's kind of the black sheep. The kind of uh, yeah, yeah, it works. Yeah, it, it kind. Of, I look at it and I don't quite recognize myself. Um, so I like that. What's the biggest way you approach, biggest difference the way you approach your, your work now versus when you were starting out in film, would you say? Is there, is the, is it, has the process changed that much for you? Um, I don't know. I, certainly, I've changed. I think, you know, it's a question of getting older. Um, you know, I think when you're younger, you, you got to plant a flag. You got to, you know, you're a little more aggressive about, um, you know, going towards stuff. Right. And as you get older... I thought um, you were going to say making choices for a second. Well, <laughs> I was going to kick you out of my office. <laughs> okay, no, you got me. You got me making choices. No, but, you, you know, you, you want to um, do a good job. Yeah, uh, something to prove. As a I, yeah. yeah, a little bit. So I guess, I don't know, you're, you're, more, you're more kind of aggressive. Mm. Um, and now I'm still aggressive. And I have the same kind of love, if not more, for performing than I ever did. Uh, but I, I feel like I'm more patient and more flexible. Um, and I know how to conserve my energy. Where it's like a lot of things. When you're young, you just want to go and splat, you know? <laughs> and, and, and when you get older, 
You know, you only Take have so much time and joy. <laughs> <laughs> you said it. I did. And I'm, I'm not necessarily agreeing with you. <laughs> Wait a second. How did I get to be look like a, the weirdo? You took it, you took it on. <laughs> we had a fascinating chat last time about uh, television, I thought. like, I mean, you were really open about sort of like you're a creature, obviously a theater, but, but in terms of the, the filmed arts, film. Uh, do you That's have, just where I've landed. I mean, still listen, at that place if my, today? I am. I am just because if, you know, my opportunities changed. For, like, for example, in daily life, you know, when I do have free time, yeah. I, I watch a movie. I don't watch TV. Yeah. Um, and that's not a big choice. It's just what I, there's movies that I want to watch. And with all the platforms and different TV shows, a lot of people talk about them and they love them. But... I've watched a little bit, and I just have a preference for movies, and and I think I like, um, you know, movies from other countries. So I, I'm always catching up on stuff. So it's not a choice. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I don't have a beef with television. Sure. I don't. I haven't really worked in television. I've made movies that end up on. Yeah. on those platforms. Yeah, the, the, the D. Reese film is going to be For example, Netflix, right? Yep, yep, that's Netflix. Uh, and, uh, yeah. Well, but I, the, but it's, it's all about how they're made and the community it's made in and, and uh, the impulse behind it. Well, and, the, yeah. and also, you're, you know, I, when I say television, I guess, listen, there are all kinds of ways to work, and if, if my life were different, I'd be, I'd, maybe I'd be very happy, sure. you know, in, in television, but right now I don't really know it so much. Well, it's no coincidence. A lot of some of the films you've done in recent years have been distributed by this great uh, company, A24, which is yep. doing Lighthouse, which I'm thankful yep. is is uh, enables filmmakers like Robert Eggers, etc., to um, to put stuff on the big screen because this is a gorgeous piece of work and it really, great. as I said, it transports you. It's 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 got some amazing performances and it's well worth anybody listening to this podcast's uh, time. Um, it's always a pleasure to catch up with you, sir. I could talk Thank to you, you for hours. I'm sure okay. you'll uh, hopefully come by again soon if I haven't uh, right. creeped you out too much with my weird office yet again. Uh, no, I just get jealous. You can take anything you like. <laughs> <laughs> it's like one tchotchke for your cabinet of curiosities. Oh, there's the uh, booze. You found the booze. No, but that's not for me. <laughs> And so ends another edition of Happy, Sad, Confused. Remember to review, rate and subscribe to this show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm a big podcast person. I'm Daisy Ridley and I definitely wasn't pressured to do this by Josh. <laughs>